You're listening to the IMG Podcast, powered by Match a Resident, the number one choice for residency applicants. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It is yours truly, one of your favorite, probably right now, one of your only IMG Podcast host, Tiffany. And today's topic is the Association of American Medical Colleges, also known as AAMC, updates to the Electronic Residency Application Service, better or notoriously, depending on whom you ask, known as ERAS. So it's time to get excited, okay? Now, I know you're thinking, ERAS updates, how is that even remotely exciting, okay? (laughs) But hear me out, because these updates are not just any updates, okay? The application itself has not been revised in over two decades, over 20 years. And while it is technically still preseason of this year's residency application cycle, I can confirm that we at Match a Resident, residency experts, and residency statement are doing our due diligence to ensure we remain the leading experts for all of your IMG needs. And that means staying abreast of all these changes happening with ERAS. So this includes reading all of the AAMC guidance documents watching resource videos they have available, and attending live webinars, etc. Speaking of webinars, I recently attended a live Q&A webinar led by Richard Ping, who is the ERAS Outreach and Engagement Manager. And the attendees were advisors, medical school leaders, and people like myself, subject matter experts, right, here to make sure that we are that resource for you. So I want to share with you what I learned by giving you a high-level overview of the updates that will be implemented with this year's application. And while it may seem straightforward, as you delve deeper and as I delve deeper, I'm sure that you and advisors will agree that completing the application this year will require mindfulness and attention to detail, especially in terms of understanding the guidance and instructional language within the application, and maybe most importantly, strategic thinking. For the past three years, ERAS has offered what we call a supplemental application, which was designed to help students share more about themselves and assist program directors in finding the right applicants that fit their program's mission. And components of the supplemental ERAS application have now been incorporated into the updated 2024 my ERAS application. So there will no longer be a separate supplemental ERAS application in 2024. And based on the data, I think almost 99, I think I've read 99.3% of applicants did use a supplemental ERAS application. So a lot of the information that's added in the new application may not be new to you, but how you approach those answers is going to be what the difference is, right? So Why are they making these ERAS application changes after all these years, after 20 plus years? Well, I mean, let's face it, change is good, right? So you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but that doesn't mean the wheel doesn't need to be changed at some point, right? So before we go into the specific changes, I'll share a little background. Um, What is the AAMC and ERAS team trying to achieve? Well, there are three main goals. The first one is to update the questions to more accurately reflect the current context of what programs are looking for given the current landscape of residency training. Then the second aim and goal of changing the application this year is to help you, the applicant, be better able to share 
more about yourself and your medical journey. And if you've listened to any of my success stories in my interviews that I've done, I always ask my interviewees, what makes your journey to residency so unique? What sets you apart? Um, it seems like I was onto something and I don't know. Maybe AAMC needs me on their team. I don't know. I'm, you know, I kid, I kid. Or, or am I? I mean, AAMC if you're out there. Okay. Um, hello. But, uh, anyway, and last but not least, the revised application will aim to present a more holistic view of you, the applicant, as a person and not just your academic and professional portfolio. So I think it's worth mentioning how they came up with these aims, right? Um, it was a collective effort from all members of the medical community, which I think is important, especially when you are making change. So there was diverse input from program staff, medical school representatives, medical students, and residents, right? Um, university and community-focused affiliate hospitals were involved, multiple specialties, multiple geographic locations. There was also an evaluation working group that you know, provided feedback and gave recommendations. And then there's also that applicant, of course, you input and data that was retrieved from applications in the past. So they gathered feedback from reaction surveys and reviewed prior ERAS applicant data. All right. I know you're thinking, okay, Tiffany, get on with it. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. Alrighty. Let's do it. Let's get into the changes in general. They updated the experiences section, which I think you will notice is the biggest change. Um, they also added a geographic preference section and integrated program signaling. Essentially, elements of that supplemental application for the past three years have now been merged into the EVAS application. And this goes back to the goal of offering programs a holistic view of applicants. So the experience section. It used to be that you could put a maximum of 20, right? Now, the number of experiences has been capped at 10, 10, T-E-N. Um, for those of you taking it back, listen to this, okay? Approximately 70% of program respondents stated that the responses in the experience section helped them to get a better picture of each applicant. So you may be asking, well, why would you reduce that number then, right? Well, let's think about this for a minute. How many of you out there anticipate trying to gain as many clinical experience as you can to fill in that section? If you know there are 20 experiences, you're going to try to get 20, right? Because you want to get the most out of what they, they want to see. So instead of feeling that pressure to put experiences for the sake of taking up space and feeling the pressure to value quantity over quality, the new ERAS application will be mission-focused, okay? And here's how. You will be able to provide descriptive information on those 10 experiences. And as applicable, you will be able to type in uh, the experience type, primary focus area, and key characteristics of that experience. And you'll briefly describe those activities, responsibilities, and the context of which you were working. Of those 10, and this is a change from previous years, of those 10 experiences, you are going to take the three most meaningful. It doesn't have to be in chronological order, so it doesn't have to be the most recent impactful. Out of those 10 experiences, what are the three most impactful, right, that were meaningful to you? And you can write a short essay reflecting on how that experience, um, you know, was meaningful and how it influenced you. 
Um, and then there also of note, I want to mention that postgraduate training has now been moved into a separate section. So don't feel like your post um, graduate training has to be within those 10 experiences because it doesn't. Right. So this allows you to focus more on your actual experiences. Um, and it also states, and I quote, this is in the application, please identify and describe up to 10 experiences that communicate who you are, what you are passionate about, and what is the most important to you. Note, I did not say 10 clinical experiences. So to be quite honest, I was surprised at this change, but there is no longer a separate hobby section. So this is now going to be included included within those 10 experiences, right? So, you know, I wholeheartedly, heartedly believe that hobbies shape who we are as a person. But given this change and the limit and the limiting number of experiences 10 that you can put into your application, I strongly advise and urge you to be extremely strategic in how and what hobbies, if any, you list in this section. And again, I do believe hobbies are important. You will be able to, you know, put this on your CV um, and your personal statement. If it's something that's, you know, very unique um, that helps support you as a medical professional that you can incorporate into your skills that you've learned and continue to learn. Obviously, you want to put that in there. But again, be very strategic in how you think about how you want to list your hobbies. Um, one final curveball in the experience section is there now is an impactful experience section. Okay. So according to AAMC, applicants can describe any challenges or hardships that influence their journey to residency. This could include experiences related to your family backgrounds, your financial backgrounds, your community setting, educational experiences or lack thereof, and or general general life experiences. So this question is intended for applicants who have overcome major challenges or obstacles and or additional information that is not captured anywhere in the application, including your personal statement, including your personal statement, including your personal statement. I want to stress that, okay? Imagine that I'm typing that in all caps. Any information written in this section, this impactful experience section, should not be the same information that's included in your personal statement. So again, I think the key word for my um, episode this week is strategic thinking, strategic approaches to the ERAS application. Other notable changes um, besides the experience section are they have added a geographic preference section, which I think is great. Um, so the goal for adding this section is to provide a process for sharing geographic preferences that enhances, that enhances accuracy and fairness. Um, it also helps to communicate the importance of geography to an applicant, right? I know when we talk about this, you know, where you go, is an important factor in how you determine, you know, what programs you're looking at. And it also provides an opportunity to share preferences and regions, right? And that location setting. So along with the geographical setting preference, there will be what's called location settings. And this section is designed to give you the opportunity to communicate a preference or lack of preference for an urban or rural settings, right? Um, if you listen to our stories the other day, I took, did a takeover for the Metro Resident um, Instagram and I did a takeover story about residency statement. And I can tell you that in personal statements, I have written for applicants their desire to be in an urban or rural setting. If that's something that you are definite about, right? But again, if you don't have a preference, that's totally, totally going to be fine. 
And lastly, program signaling. Okay, so the overall aim of program signaling is to offer applicants the opportunity to express interest in a residency program at the time of the application. Hello, that is amazing, right? Um, Program signals are intended to be used by programs as one of many data points in deciding whom they invite to interview, right? So I think this is an amazing, amazing feature. I also think it can be a little confusing. So I highly, highly advise you to get familiar with the concept of program signaling. And it's not required. It's not required. But first, you want to confirm if the specialty programs you are um, are applying to are participating in program signaling. And AAMC has a uh, resource page where they let you know what programs are participating in the 2023-2024 signaling. So as it relates to you, the applicant, a program will only see if you signal their program. So if you didn't, they're not going to see it, right? So don't, you don't have to worry that a program that you applied to and didn't signal is going to see that you signal someone else. It doesn't work that way. Um, some specialties will also use what's called a tiered signaling system, which allows for programs to distinguish an applicant's level of interest, such as gold, right? So someone who signals gold will show the highest interest. Like I am, this is my highest interest program. Or you may say silver, which is very high interest. So either way, gold and silver, they also show that you're highly interested. But this also just allows them to gauge your level of interest. So keep in mind, programs participating will be adequately trained in using signaling appropriately. They are not intended to be used as a screening tool, but just as a plus factor to indicate genuine interest. and And they should still perform that holistic review of the entire application and make decisions based upon the merit of the application itself. The signal, again, is just one of many data points when deciding whom interviews will be offered. And it has zero to do with ranking. Okay, this has nothing to do with ranking. This is specifically for how interviews are going to be um, designated. So there you have it, folks. If you're a medical student preparing for residency, these ERAS updates are definitely something to get excited about but also something you and your advisors, mentors should educate yourself on. So be sure to stay up to date with the latest information by visiting the AAMC website. Of course, always coming to the IMT podcast and going to residency experts and electronicresidency.com. These are going to be great resources for you as well. So, um, and by doing so, right, being prepared for anything, right? Just makes your life, if not a little bit, a lot easier, right? As the season approaches. So thanks for tuning in. And until next time, try to get some sleep between rounds. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to at Match Resident. Thank you for listening.